Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guests' big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are joined today with Robin Cragen, who is the co-founder and CEO of Moving Mountains. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. So this episode is part of our series, Wheelhouse's Spotlight on Exceptional Property Managers. And I don't know if we could think of anybody better than Robin to have as the first episode for this because truly exceptional. And we we got the pleasure of meeting you at the Executive Summit, but had heard a lot about you uh, until that point and just followed you on LinkedIn. And uh, our good friend, Simon Lehman, of course, always just speaks so highly of you and just seeing your properties from his visits out to Colorado, that just makes me want to go <laughs> visit you also. Yes. For, for our listeners that are not familiar with you and, and Moving Mountains, can you just give us a little bit of your history? Sure. So uh, <clears throat> we founded the company, uh, my wife and I, Heather, uh, we founded the company back in 1997. And uh, up to that point, uh, we had a career. It was quite quite a lot of fun uh, running a luxury 72-foot yacht in the British Virgin Islands. And uh, we always talk about that as um, that is the place where I feel like we've truly discovered hospitality, what we could bring to the guest experience. And uh, one of the things that we really hooked into was we were having a lot of fun. We were in the most beautiful part of the world that you could possibly do a sailing trip. And uh, we realized just how much we could bring to the guest experience and how rewarding it was for us to hear that guest who had the potential to travel anywhere in the world for them to say, you know, that was one of the best vacations we've ever had. And I feel like that is a kind of a thread that has run consistently through everything that we have done since then. But, uh, you know, we we met in the islands and uh, we were running the boat together. Uh, we fell in love and got married and uh, we decided that, you know, they, the future plans involved a family. And when you live and work on a boat, you realize that that's not really the environment that you can. <laughs> right. yeah. So uh, we hit on the idea of why not translate this concept that, you know, this hospitality concept that we were doing on the yacht, why not try and translate that into a land based experience? And uh, we hooked into the idea of doing that in Colorado. And uh, we clued into doing that into Ste- in Steamboat Springs because uh, we had some guests early on in our time on the yacht that uh, were from Steamboat. And the entire time they were with us, they just kept on talking about this incredible place in the mountains of Colorado, and you have to come, and this would be a perfect concept. And so one day, kind of acting almost on a whim, we jumped on a plane and flew up and discovered Steamboat. And that was the beginning of uh, what's nearly a 25-year journey now. Wow. wow. That's incredible. So you, <laughs> so you traded in you traded in flippers and swim trunks for uh snowsuits and, and skis. <laughs> yeah. It is a pretty big it's not like you went to Destin or Panama. Yeah, that's City. a big that's a big change. <laughs> wow. This definitely is the furthest I've ever lived from the ocean. And uh the saying we use quite often is it's like we swallowed the anchor because we're about as landlocked as you could be. But um 
Uh, and people were confused in the beginning. Um, you know, sailors were very kind of proud of our sailing routes and people even jokingly said, you're going to go work on a steamboat. And it's like, nope, <laughs> but we are going to go work on that. And, uh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I bet that would lead to some confusion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. definitely took some explaining. But um, it was very much the same concept, you know, that you came down the, the gangplank and uh, got on the yacht and we really felt like we would take care of everything. We would say to the guests, I'm never going to ask you to put down your book to help us sail the boat. But if you want to, you can be part of that experience. We just translated all those things into a ski chalet situation where the first property we started with, the concept was a fully catered, full service ski chalet, like staying in a luxury yacht. But this time it's not moving, but we would essentially do everything for you. Heather is a fantastic chef. And uh, so we would provide the meals, breakfast, lunch and dinner. And wow. we'd pick you up from the airport. We'd run you to the ski trails. And the more that we dug into it, the more we realized that, you know, we're all about basically solving the challenges of complex vacations. So a ski vacation, it's tough to get there. You've got to in- endure the weather. Um, it can be confusing going to a new destination. And we we just translated things that had worked for us on on the boat into how do we make this easier? So we found partners that would deliver skis to the house and Instead of lining up in a ski rental store, you have the skis delivered and fitted in the home. Um, we would always try to have everything kind of ready and set up. So when you start your vacation, you're not spending that first day shopping and cooking and organizing kids and retired from traveling. You know, we would just really make it so you're on vacation from the moment you get here. Wow. And, um, you know, that has evolved from one house um, and one new concept that was initially a little hard to persuade people to uh, understand to creating people that um, have come back with us, some of them over the last 20 years, many times, and uh, and even like quietly um, cursed us for saying you ruined it for me because this is the only way. <laughs> it's the only way to travel now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's exciting. So Heather doesn't still cook meals for the oh, yeah. <laughs> does she? No, she doesn't. No, okay. I mean, you know, the business was uh, very much a mom and pop. It was just the two of us at the beginning and we literally did everything and we had the one house. And uh, and it was only offered as a fully catered chalet at that time. Um, the business grew in the third year. We took on our second home. Uh, we were joined by our crew crewmate, our first mate from the yacht, and he came and helped oh, wow. us um, cool. um, build up the the team. But we we realized that there was a better business opportunity in renting people's homes out and offering different levels of service. So we still offered that top tier package. But we started realizing that um, people really wanted, a lot of people wanted just to rent a luxury home and have some things done for them. Mm-hmm. So I think our mindset was, let us do whatever you think you you need us to do, um, whether that's just stocking groceries into the house or just helping you plan every aspect of the stay so, so that you're not just booking a unit with us. We don't even use that word. <laughs> staying in a home yeah. and, and we're helping you plan the perfect vacation. We've always had that kind of mindset of booking the home is step one. And then the other 50% of the work we do is helping you make sure that um, you have this great experience from beginning to end. So that's how the business has kind of evolved into now we uh, we manage approximately 200 homes wow. in four ski markets. And uh, we have quite a significant staff and we've become quite a significant player in each of the markets that we're in. That's incredible. I, the similarity I can, you know, kind of 
draw it to in our business is how we do golf packages. And I know with our golfers that come down, I mean, they're, it, it's, that's also a complicated trip to plan as these ski vacations are complicated trips to plan for different reasons. I mean, on, on your end, they're having to coordinate uh, their gear and the tickets and the transportation from the airport for bigger groups. And then the, the chef side of it, which is even just more unique, but with, with our golfers, you know, typically those are groups of 20 to 30 guys normally that are coming down and either they're renting their clubs, they're shipping their clubs. And it's, it's, we do kind of a similar thing that we help them with that whole process or we, you know, the clubs come to our office and we store them for them, bring them to the condo. But at the end of the day, what what it's really about is they want to know that they have you there to help with in case anything goes wrong. And I think that's, that's the biggest part of the service that we all offer as, you know, true hospitality professionals that have done this for a long time. And you guys certainly have done that quite well. Uh, my question for you would be for, I mean, online bookings for these, is it mostly online or are you getting a lot of guests that call? Cause I feel like with ours and on the golf side of things, we do get a lot of phone bookings because there are so many questions that go along with it. You know, it does um, surprise me how the business has changed, which I think is part of that is that the consumer's um, willingness to trust online reservations has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, today it feels like it's just the norm that people can book twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars vacations online, click and buy. Yeah. But that was kind of unheard of even 10 years ago. Um, we've always had a tremendous um, direct, a, num- a tremendous number of percentage of uh, direct reservations. Yeah. And, um, you know, we often say that our we, we get a lot of reservations online, but those are typically after they've had several conversations. with yeah, our team. yeah, yeah. Because people don't just click and buy at that kind of number. They mm-hmm. shop and they, uh, as you hear at many conferences, you know, there's many points of attribution that mm-hmm. can roll into what eventually turns into a reservation. Um, and whether they found you on Google and maybe checked you out on Verbo and maybe went over and cross-checked you on Airbnb mm-hmm. and then found your website and then called you and and then maybe went home and that night they booked online. And you would say, well, there's an online reservation. But the reality is- that Yeah, there's a lot more steps there. Yeah, There's many more steps yeah. to the process. And I think yeah. that's, that's something that we definitely see. So we get our fair share um, of what I would call online. I think online is, is the uh, the great facilitator. Yeah, um, it's a great way of sharing information and helping people um, filter down and, and realize these are the homes that fit the criteria that I'm looking for. But I, I think um, you know it's still something. I think we're still being discovered by by people as someone who can actually elevate that experience by um, not just you know we all say that today everybody has to be their own travel agent. You're kind of expected to buy your own flights and Mm -hmm. make your own arrangements. It used to be that a travel expert who's used to doing that every day of the week would put that together for you. And your friendly travel agent would package that together with lodging and everything else. Well, that's all gone away. Now Mm -hmm. you're expected to be the master of the flights and all the logistics. And uh, we try to at least take the lodging and the in-resort component of that and make that as seamless as possible. And really. And part of that is also opening up um, the potential of all the different things that you could do to have the best experience. Because I think our guests are coming into it saying, I want to have a great time. I mean, very simply, I want to create memories with my family. And how do I do that? 
And, you know, traditionally, or the way the market is now, I think it's kind of on the traveler to discover that. And we see it as our role is, here are the things that you can do. These are the best people to work with. We can shortcut you to success on every aspect of your stay so that you get a great ski instructor, you get ski rentals from a provider that's um, going to be on time and professional and show up and, and take care of you and take care of any changes. And, you know, there's, there's always moving parts to this, um, you know, that we're maybe arranging a private shuttle service from Denver into the resort that, um, you know, is fun and reliable and, um, and exactly what you're looking for. Um, you know, those are all things that are a bit of a gamble for a traveler coming to a new destination. So yeah. I really feel like that's where um, not only are people excited to find someone who can help with all of that, but then that's the reason why they come back year after year is Absolutely. I want to have that yeah. same easy vacation experience. Yeah. 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 Having gone to mountain destinations several times, and I'm not a skier, but I certainly love the snow, <laughs> trying to put together all of the pieces of it is pretty daunting. Again, just getting up from Denver to the ski resorts is, is in itself is is a chore. Um, but you mentioned that you're in multiple markets, so you're in steam mode, and where else? So for 20 years, we were absolutely a steamboat only company. That was the center of the universe for us. But yeah. um, we listened to guests almost from the first year, saying, "You know, we love this experience. If you were in other markets, we would follow you there in a heartbeat." And in fact, they would say, "We'd go to Vail or we'd go to." Aspen, and we'd be saying, who is moving mountains in this market? So it took us a long time to feel like we were ready to make that step. But in 2019, um, having spent a lot of time talking to um, different operators in the Vail market, um, we eventually just said, you know what, we're putting down a flag in this market. Um, we got a connection to our first home in that market. And uh, we became, instead of became, <laughs> instead of walking in saying, we'd like to enter this market. We began those conversations again with, we're now your competitor in this market. And I think it helped us um, get one of those conversations across the line. We purchased um, a local company there called Vail Valley Getaway mm -hmm. in November of 2019. And that gave us our, our first significant footprint in another market. And, um, you know, the interesting thing about that is kind of learning to be an operator in multiple markets, adapting your systems and your um, operations and building a team um, that can deliver the same experience. You know, those are all experiences, they're learning experiences we went through. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of showed us what the challenges were. Um, so I think it's it definitely stretched us. Um, but it was exciting to see that we could do that. We could have a team. I think we had five people in the market at that time, um, managing about 30 homes. So a little bit um, maybe um, staffed up because, but we were anticipating, you know, that we would like to grow to a, a larger, more sustainable portfolio there. And uh, we were excited to get the reaction back from guests that this was a great experience, that um, it matched their expectations. And, and we have kind of worked on just bringing everything to level up with what we were doing in Steamboat so that, <clears throat> it, um, you know, we all made it through the COVID year. I don't really want to talk about that too much. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we survived, you know, at the end of the day. And um, at the uh, summer of 21, so last summer, we got a phone call from uh, a company that we had known for many years, Paragon Lodging in Breckenridge, saying that mm -hmm. they were looking for a way to exit from the business. And uh, they would uh, love to entertain an offer from us um, as someone who could take care of their baby. 
And that uh, became um, probably the, the biggest move that we've made in this industry so far, um, acquiring a portfolio of over 70 properties, um, very compatible with what we were doing in Steamboat and in, in the mm-hmm. bail market. We literally doubled the size of the company overnight. So, yeah, that, so that was you, actually going to be my question was, how did, yeah. you, how did you replicate what you did? But it, what I love is that you didn't jump quickly because I think sometimes managers get so excited about being able to go into a new market that they don't necessarily think about the operational, um, the challenges of not being right down the street and having to get the staffing. And it sounds like you really put a lot of thought into making sure that you weren't going to compromise the brand that you had built up to that point. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I think that we had a very good idea of what our brand was by that time. So, you know, we were a much more mature company after 20 years. And, you know, believe me, um, we have learned through our mistakes over the years. People think success is a straight line from A to B. And, uh, you know, I feel like um, the reason we're still here after all this time, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to say you've been doing this for 20, nearly 25 years. It feels like forever. But for <laughs> us, it's been an ever evolving journey where we've learned something every year we've been doing it. And then we take those lessons and we put that back into this is a better way of doing this. And this is who we are. And, you know, today, I think we've really learned to say, you know, we're only one thing in this marketplace. We're not trying to be everything to everybody. So our focus is on the upper end of the market where we're we're charging a much higher rate than the rest of the marketplace, but we're also leaning into that, providing a much higher level of service. I mean, you, you simply can't do one thing. You can't extract a high rate and and not deliver um, A++ right. on all expectations. And when we get five-star reviews at that level of the market, then that's kind of exciting for us. Yeah, absolutely. So th- thinking back on the last year or so, if you, you purchased that company in summer of 2021, you said? Yeah. Okay, so you guys haven't really had a regular year then in quite a while. <laughs> and you also are in the same boat that we are, that we had an acquisition end of 2020 and then and also in 2021 that you know, 2019, we didn't have that inventory on our program. So to compare, even if we look at their numbers during that year, it's really not apples to apples because they weren't being marketed by us. But um, talk a little bit about that. I think that's that's one thing that is a challenge for all of us, whether you're in the acquisitions um, situation right. or not, but just how, how do we move forward for 2023 knowing that it's it's hard to compare with what we've had these last two years and 2019 still being such a very different business for you? Sure. Uh, I I think the last three years has really, um, it's very Darwinian. You know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, totally. and I feel like that's lessons learned from the last three years um, have made us stronger and have really taught us to n- not take things for granted. Yeah. Um, not that I think we were in in 17 and 18 prior to, you know, beginning this kind of growth spurt that we're on right now. But um, we definitely um, feel like it's taught us that, um, you know, the the nuts and bolts of running a great business are making sure that you, uh, I love uh, Simon Lehman's expression that he brought out at the uh, executive summit, which was about, you know, financial hygiene. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that we really need in this industry. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of businesses are um, living somewhat hand to mouth, and you know things that have gotten us through the last three to four years has been a rigorous and strict budgeting process, mm-hmm. and really looking at our numbers, not only the finances but 
forward looking as we can be in terms of sales numbers. Um, revenue management, that's something that we have really kind of built our own revenue revenue management strategy that mm-hmm. is really um, attuned to our end of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, we're leveraging some of the best tools in the industry. We use Wheelhouse um, as a way of managing rates because we've moved from the very kind of traditional um, block season rates into as we transition from, you know, we were forced to transition away from V12, which was our property management system. Um, we went with track, which um, now offers us daily pricing. Mm-hmm. And um, when you move into daily pricing, essentially 365 pricing seasons for 200 properties, you can start to, and then you have like the stay pricing and all those complex rate rules that go into that. You realize the amount of data you're now working with and you need a sophisticated tool in order to be able to manage that. And then you need to have that discipline behind it to to say, how do we use this information so that we can make good decisions? I mean, it combines into, you know, tools like key data that is taking our data and then reporting that back to us in a way that's easier for us to understand where are we today? And just as you pointed out, I mean, no two years in the last three years have been the same. So where are we today relative yeah. to where were we this right. time last year? Yeah. And then what were all the factors that came into play? It definitely, that- it takes a human yeah. factor, right? And yeah. I, we just, we were all at, at the data and revenue management conference recently. And that's a lot of what the, you know, the subject matter was, is that yeah. you're never going to replace the person that AI and and technology helps us a lot, but it can only go so far because you have to be able to understand and connect the dots between things that only, you know, as a revenue manager and owner of the company are going on. Now, are, do you handle the rates or do you have a revenue manager or how does uh, that work? So again, one of the benefits of growing your team is um, being able to um, scale into having people with specific responsibilities like that. For sure. And, uh, and so one of the benefits that came out of uh, our acquisition of Paragon Lodging was having a full-time revenue manager, someone who was among many other things that she was doing was revenue management. She was also wearing a marketing hat and uh, and dealing with some aspects of uh, owner relations. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were able to bring her into a position where we said, "This is if, if this is something that you have a passion for, which fortunately it was, um, we really need to have someone looking at revenue on a daily, weekly, monthly um, basis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have our have developed our own approach over the years and we were kind of able to take that to the next level. So um, I'm I feel totally spoiled having somebody just specifically looking. at. Right yeah, now. yeah. But it's going to make you sleep a little better at night. Right. <laughs> right. Because there's just too many things to watch, you know, yeah. and, I, and we all are seeing how the market changes, you know, from from COVID going from busy to zero to then full speed ahead and then hitting record pace, you know, and trying to keep up with these changes and realizing that um, results that you're getting today turn into trends quickly. And so we saw that surge of demand that came over the last 12 months. And then, you know, interestingly enough, we've seen a very um, rapid, what I would call normalization, but it feels like putting the brakes on compared to the pace we were going at um, over the winter of 2021, 20, um, 22. Um, this spring, definitely um, things slowed down and we realized that we needed to have strategies in place to be competitive where we needed to be competitive. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you probably split 
with international markets quite a bit from your guest history and your your visitor base. Um, and that's one thing that we've been talking about now for the last really year and a half is, you know, what happens once international travel comes back and it obviously it already is back, but have you seen a pullback this year from that already? Uh, I mean, this summer, what we experienced is the dilution of everybody domestically, then deciding to go and get the Europe trip in. So I think yeah. um, worldwide destinations opening up um, has kind of pulled the uh, the demand into many more different areas. But um, we're hoping that one of our makeups for this winter will be um, the return of the Australian um, skier who loves to, their, their summer vacation is actually in the middle of our ski season. Right. And uh, the Aussies love to come just after New Year because um, our rates are lower and the ski conditions are great and, and everybody has their kids um, back in school. So these Australian families would come for 10 days to two weeks and have their summer vacation skiing in Colorado. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah. you know, Australia was one of the countries most locked down in, in sure. COVID. So uh, they started to come back last winter. And uh, we're expecting to see quite a bit more of that. But um, and I think other international markets will come into play, too. It just really yeah. depends for us on uh, economically, I think, how Europe is doing. I think they're in a more depressed situation than we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Demand is really important for you, obviously. And you know, being able to assess that. Tell us a little bit more about how you use Wheelhouse's tool to help with that, because I know, you know you're a heavily book direct brand and company and we are too and that's always been one thing is that we are hesitant sometimes to just be watching what's going on on verbo and, and airbnb because it is it's a small portion of our business and we do control a little bit of our own destiny in a way but how do you use that tool to help well i i really enjoyed um what i was hearing at uh, the durham conference because it it's more in tune with how we look at revenue management than mm-hmm. uh, what we had been hearing in the past. Yeah. I think the uh, the early iterations of uh, revenue management were our tool's great. It can react to the market. You can just set it, turn it yeah. on, and it will do the pricing for you. And quite frankly, I, that scared scared the bejesus out of me. I mean, just <laughs> the idea of letting a machine make a decision, yeah. um, which... You know, rate management is complicated because it's one thing that you're reacting to what's going on in the marketplace, but we also need to consider the goals and objectives of every individual owner. And we have owners that are very specific about minimum revenue per night. They do they do not want to receive just a few hundred dollars per night for renting their home. Mm-hmm. Expecting, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's significant, meaningful revenue for them. And they and our owners really worry about wear and tear. And so they they don't want to see high occupancy. So we we have to balance that our business interest is to rent their home. But in their interest, we also need to preserve their asset. So we have a very different model to, I think, um, you know, maybe the mega managers, the bigger companies who are who are pushing that more occupancy, uh, high occupancy model. Ours is high yield, low touch, high yield. And uh, so it requires us to have um, a different more disciplined approach to revenue management in terms of saying that sometimes the rate needs to stay where it is um, because it's important for us to preserve the integrity of our pricing. And that's where I think that human component comes in is like, is this a good decision to rent this home for that lower rate? We all understand that there's opportunity cost in, in unused nights. So, um, you know, we, we're fond of saying, you know, maybe 60% of something is better than 60% of nothing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times where if you have an owner who who is in need of that revenue, that you might consider being that aggressive in terms of discounting. But um, the early discounting that we see, um, that typically is a is not a is a flawed strategy for luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, we play more on um, the idea of book now before while it's still available. Right. Um, we have yeah. a limited resource. I love that term that Matt Landau always uses is yeah. limited edition. And that right. edition concept, it just runs right. through everything that we do. And, um, you know, that that is uh, more inclined to uh, get people to make a reservation for based on FOMO, fear of missing out, than, than to, um, to say, you know, I really need to get a better rate. You know, the client who is saying, I have a budget of $10,000, and I was wondering if we could book that house that you have listed for fifteen at that price. Our answer would be, you know, it's possible that owner is um, generally flexible at certain times of the year, but not at this time of the year, not three mm-hmm. months out. Yeah. If it's still available and you are flexible on your dates, if it's still available two to three weeks out, there's a possibility. And that is kind of a decision that the guest is weighing then is, do I wait or do I book it now? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question related to you selected wheelhouse. There's There's a lot of tools out there and they all kind of have different bells and whistles but what was it i guess what going through that process what was it that made you choose wheelhouse over the other the others out there um well with a higher average daily rate than any kind of model that's based around a percentage of your revenue is is definitely um harder for us to uh, justify that expense um so we we early on um kind of steered away from the uh the, the models that are tied to a percentage of your revenue Right. Um, so we liked that about wheelhouse that it was more of a manageable expense. It's a per unit cost. Um, but also, you know, we weren't just sold on on the pricing structure. I think the tool they've developed is extremely um, easy to use. It's very intuitive. Um, as uh, as we heard at Durham, John Derule gave this great presentation where he was uh, explaining that it's about presenting you with the information that allows you to make good decisions. Right, filling yeah. that down into decisionable data, so that you, as the supercomputer—that is essentially, you know, human beings are still smarter than machines <laughs> at this point—that you can make that interpretation of what do I need to do to move the needle for this property for that week? Um, you know, we're still we're still learning to to use some of these tools, but I think distilling down um, a ton of information that's out there in the marketplace is helping us to make better decisions um, using comp sets. You know, that is something um, that our revenue manager um, is using more and more so that where we do have comparable inventory that we can make a good pricing decision strategically, it's good tactical uh, maneuvering, um, more tied to um, closer to arrival or having late availability or seeing whether you're the last in or whether everybody's still in the marketplace at a certain price and then being sure that you're competitive um, you know, that used to involve going to Airbnb or VRBO and, and, and scraping that data manually into um, an analysis that would tell you what you needed to do on your pricing. Now we can um, bring that in through comp sets and make quick decisions um, about promotions and things like that that we might run, or it might tell us to hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, Lance Stitcher said, when we talked to him, the, 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 
the market will always tell you if your rates are too high or you're too low, just you need to listen to it because if you book up really quick, then your rates are too low. And, and if you down too high, then you're just, you're not going to move that inventory. But yeah, it's uh it's definitely, it's a, it's more of a manual job. And, and I think, you know, I echo your same um, comments that it's, it's, it's good to see now that the, the conversation about how you use revenue management and these tools is back to where it needs to be. And that's that's a good thing because I, I know at Dharma a few years ago, the first one that that Amy had, there were several managers I know that went and they were just like, no way, I'm not I'm not letting a machine control my rates. But I think it's we've come a, a heck of a long way just in the last couple of years. There's too many um, factors in here in this um, that that I don't think were truly understood as people. Maybe you know, maybe in the mass market, this is easier to to justify, but. You know, with our individual homes, what we notice is owners owner use patterns change from one year to the next. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, one of the challenges of um, pacing data um, is that it doesn't necessarily um, track pacing year over year. If the owner decides one year to come at New Year and that represents a third of their potential income for the year, that's how skewed this ski market can be. Um, one year they come for New Year, and then the next year they give it to us, and we can make a reservation. So the year that we make that reservation, we're pacing ahead, and we mm-hmm. look like rock stars. And that's yeah. just because we got the week that's easy to sell for the highest yield. You come back the next year, and he says, "Well, I'm coming for Christmas, and I want to use these specific dates," and it messes up your New Year, and then and then you're and then you have the owner asking you, you know, why are we pacing behind? And you have to dig into. Well, it's all to do with that twenty to thirty thousand dollar vacation that you took in your home during prime season. <laughs> right. And yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's it's complicated. I think you have to look at a multitude of uh, different factors when you go to the property level. You need to be sure that you're really looking and understanding the full story of that property from one year to the next. Um, but it is very useful to be able to pull out by by um, region or um, by um, general area and study some of those trends and see if something is pacing ahead or behind in a more um, high level sense. So mm-hmm. um, I think we're learning more and more. We're seeing, um, you know, we have three, we have four locations, Beaver Creek, Vail, Steamboat and Breckenridge, all within a hundred miles of each other. And we, one person might think that um, those are consistent, the inventory is somewhat consistent, you know, it's all of a high standard. And yet the market characteristics, the booking patterns so different. Um, are yeah, very different. different. I think that's that's where a lot of companies have had challenges when they try and go to more markets. I know there's been some, Annie, some in your, your neck of the woods that, yeah. you know, bought companies out where Robin is. And that's night and day as far yeah. as, as the markets go, at least where yeah. you were, they were, you know, at least in semi-close vicinity there and had, you know, similar types of travel um, this, you know, stays and trends, but that's, that's tough. And even just keeping in your own local area, I mean, to go into another market is, is definitely a challenge, but um, I would imagine, you know, to be able to do that, obviously you have to have really great software to support that too. How has, has track been? Yeah. Track has been good so far. Um, You know, all things being equal, it's never a pleasant experience to transition to Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we've gone through that twice because we transitioned our Breckenridge team in the middle of the winter, which kind of we had to do, but we, but it was painful. Um, mm-hmm. So having gone through that, I think we're on the other side of it and feeling like 
Um, this has been a really positive transition for us, but um, software and integrations and things like that are very complex. And, um, you know, we said with V12 that we were unpacking the box for a good three years. And I sort of feel like it's going to be the same story with Track that um, they're still developing many um, features that I think will help us tremendously in the future. We're still getting our head around how we can maximize the potential of the uh, of the software, but it is um, very configurable. Um, it is um, very adaptable to our way of doing business, and um, you know they've been a solid team to work with. I think um, you know the commit commitment is there at the at the high end of the leadership that they want to deliver a good experience. We just we just don't make that assumption that everything is uh, there that needs to be. I think it's continuing to improve improve every year. So uh, on on that too, or on a different topic, I guess um, you use Amber Hurdle. I know for some of your employee training and, and yeah. branding. Can you? Who we, we love Amber, of course. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your experience working with her? Yeah, Amber's been amazing, actually. Uh, so uh, just not not just Amber, but uh, we formed a relationship with uh, Steve Trover and. Oh yeah, we, oh, he's yeah, great absolutely. too. Yeah. yeah, the two of them together is like. I know. Oh, thank God. <laughs> we got a powerhouse team. Dynamo. There. Yeah. I know. I know. We were super excited that we had the opportunity to work with the two of them together, and uh, the tool that they uh, helped us um, roll out to our team was uh, Predictive Index. So PI, as we call it in house. Um, helps you understand um, a little bit more about who you are, what the strengths are, what your decision-making is um, based around, how you like to interact with other people, how you like to be interacted with, um, whether you're um, a, an, a conformist or whether you're somebody that only likes to work within the lines, you know, someone who likes to color outside the lines, uh, you know, that maybe that's not the person that you want to have in accounting. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe uh, someone who is more collaborative, maybe, uh, you know, better suited to a more of a team environment within a team. And, uh, you know, running a company like this um, requires everybody and every, you know, essentially the right people in the right seats on the bus so that you can play to their strengths. And I really feel like PI um, helped us better understand each other. Um, better appreciate the strengths of the people within the team. And now um, through Steve's company, it's helping us to recruit people that are the perfect fit for the positions that we have open. And then um, through Amber, she really also, she's a fantastic presenter. So helped us get our head around this very com complex uh, concept of all these different uh, personalities or behavioral profiles. Um, but also uh, helping us understand um, about formalizing, developing our employer brand um, with, within the company. Um, the culture, company culture is a huge deal for us. Yeah. Um, I think we have a pretty strong focus on company culture, and it was really just helping us to appreciate that and then take it to the next level, developing um, some processes that um, what we felt like we could have improved our employee onboarding process, for example, which he led us through a great exercise there where, you know, the, the great thing about that was getting the team, this is kind of where we are at, at our next level is getting our team to develop what we want to have as a team for a, for a better um, process within the company. So I think things like that are very empowering to our team. Um, you know, the company is maturing and, and Heather and I are 
trying to look at some uh, some new ideas, and uh, and we can't do that if we're still running the day to day of some of the property management operations that we do. Yeah, yeah. We've well, you've engaged some of the best leaders that there are in the business in terms of helping you fit all these pieces of the puzzle Absolutely. together. And and Robin, you are you are someone that I think other management companies can can hold in high regards and learn from. And and we hope to have you back again very soon and and talk about some other things. But before we wrap up, I did want to ask you something that we've been talking a lot about with other people is what is your thought on what the biggest um, subject or biggest thing topic that maybe isn't being discussed in the industry that should be talked about more right now? Well, I mean, I'm up to my neck in uh, in the advocacy and regulations battle. And I mean, I'm not saying that the industry isn't talking about this. I mean, yeah. I think we are. But um, there certainly has been a lot of conversation about the fact that advocacy should not be um, the Wednesday at nine o'clock session at the VRMA when everybody is on their last after the right, last right, right, right. Yeah. Um, which it was at the last VRMA. And, uh, you know, there were, it was a very um, sparse audience for something that if you asked me three years ago, do you have an issue with regulation? I would have said, no, we're in a good place. Everything is great. We're all managing our businesses really well. Now we in Colorado from one community to the next, and because we're in multiple markets, we can see this directly. Um, we are fighting. We're fighting to defend our industry against unfair accusations of causing a housing shortage, causing a crisis within the community. Um, you know that uh, STRs, short-term rentals, are not valued. Um, suddenly, we're being looked at very negatively, and having you know we we're very proud of, of our business, and yet now we're having to defend it for things that we don't believe um, there has been any kind of justification for. So. Um, it is requiring almost, um, it's almost a separate business activity um, for me right now is just trying to defend this position. Um, we're having to engage with attorneys and we spend a lot of time working with Rent Responsibly and this networking. I mean, that's something fantastic about this industry is that people are very open to the idea of working together and sharing ideas, but it's incredibly yeah. time consuming. Um, work for us to to do that on top of just trying to run our businesses too. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's well, a topic that I think has um, it, it's going to it's going to continue to be first and foremost in people's minds, and we definitely have to band together to make sure that we're being heard as a as an industry. And we've talked to people about you know the the we are not Airbnb movement. You know we don't want to be lumped in with that, but we need some of those Airbnb type folks to be in the conversation and understand how to be professional. So hopefully Vera may will step up and we can have a, a larger conversation at the conference in November. Yeah. And, or, and I mean, the, great, this, this, the scary thing is, I mean, like you said, just a few years ago, you weren't even worried about this and now it's a huge part of your daily yeah. life. So that's, that's the message that we're trying to drive home, you know, in other destinations, mine included Myrtle beach area. Yeah. We feel like we're very protected. We are a tourism market 100%, but that what it is right now, that's not, guaranteed. I mean, there are so many things that can change and you get different leadership and city council members and yeah. it's a lot can be taken away very quickly. And I think right now the main goal needs to just be education, 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 and really defining who we are as a professional industry and what we're not. And that's, that's the brand. We had Vanessa Humes on with us just the other day and she had a great idea that, I mean, Verma needs to really put some efforts on this and let's get a, like a really good 
agency, advertising, advertising agency to work with us on developing this brand, developing the messaging. Let's, you know, put all resources to making this a really good effort. So we are very hopeful that that will be what we start to see soon from VRMA. And hopefully we'll get a good update when we're in Vegas <laughs> in a couple months here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is encouraging. I'll tell you that there are some great resources out there. And we were successful in applying to the VRMA Advocacy Fund for some financial support. And, um, you know, it's it's great to see that um, the fundraising actually does land somewhere and there are tangible benefits. Um, I mean, the the people that rent responsibly, that is an incredible resource for local communities. They have helped us um, set up our local alliance and to create a marketing information and communications platform and really kind of guide us towards creating, I mean, it's a, it's a new organization that we're essentially running, mm-hmm. and running it as a team within your local um, market. So having to team up with your competitors, you know, that is a, that's kind of a new thing. I mean, it's somewhat yeah. refreshing in a way that you can be shoulder to shoulder with your competitor. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, so I think um, there's a lot more resources available now than there ever were. Um, and that is that's a good thing, but I think also they need to be. The challenges are bigger than they ever were, and uh, you know we need to have that mindset of I'm not just running my business, but I need to think about how I educate other players in the marketplace that these are the standards that we should all be working to. So that's something that I think the VRMA has huge potential to elevate the professionalism of the industry as a whole. Um, that concept of teaching the ones and twos, the moms and pops. Who, who maybe were like we were 25 years ago, um, just starting out with the first property, educating them that there are standards that are going to benefit, that they should play to that will benefit the entire industry. Um, and then, um, you know, educating the value within our community, the, the value that we bring and the hard work that we put on, uh, that we put into it behind the scenes to, you know, I don't think our city council appreciates that we monitor. We have monitoring devices that track noise levels, um, that can tell us twenty four seven if a party's happening in a house that we need to go shut down. They they don't realize the amount of effort we're putting into this, and we need to tell our story better. In the same way that we need to explain the value proposition of an STR in a community in terms of visitor spending and tax revenues, you know that it's just it's not told. Uh, it, we're not valued at the moment. We are. We're uh, stigmatized and set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We agree 100%. So we will stay tuned and hopefully get some more information here and see all of us working together. I do agree yeah. the collaboration is just key for you know open communication and figuring out how we can work. Because as we always say, we are all in this together, but it really is the truth <laughs> as far yeah. as how the advocacy struggles. So Robin, thank you so much for being with us today. It's such a pleasure to to just enjoy getting to know you so much at the conferences, but just to hear more about the business today, I I learned quite a bit that I didn't already know. But um, if anybody wants to contact you, what's the easiest way to get in touch? Uh, Well, through my email, robin at movingmountains.com. Pretty simple, R-O-B-I-N, that very important I, not a Y. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
And our website is movingmountains.com. We're pretty and cool. your website is beautiful, by the yes, way. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm mesmerized by the video yeah. on the homepage. Alex and Annie will be doing a show from there at some point, we promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we can be the catalyst to you taking this podcast on the road then. We're uh, happy. We're so I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. Awesome. If anybody wants to contact Annie and I, you can go to alexandanniepodcast.com. And until next time, thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.